Uh, last night, uh, Susan, or I guess it was just afternoon, was kind of looking up some things for our daughter, Megan, and it had to do with our family farm. Uh, my family came from Norway in the 1850s, and they um, kind of late 50s, early 1860s, bought a piece of property in Iowa, and they named that Fallen Glow Farm. So as Susan was kind of kind of looking for some stuff for Megan about Fallen Glow, she came across uh, a postcard that my great-great-uncle, Nehemiah, sent back to his father in Story City. And it was from Christmas 1864. And my uncle, great-great-uncle, Nehemiah, had been studying music uh, in Germany and kind of the family funds were running out. They were supporting him to do that. And so he thought, well, I've always wanted to go to the Holy Land, and it won't cost a lot more for me to go to the Holy Land and then go back to Iowa. So my great-great-uncle spent Christmas Eve, 1864, in Bethlehem. I was absolutely blown away. When we sang this morning about destiny... I've, I've kind of wondered, what, there's something within me that is really drawn towards Bethlehem. In his night there, he spent the night at the Church of the Nativity because there were services going on all throughout the night. And, he, and, he, and it was, the music was great, and since he was a composer, musician, he loved the music, but he fell asleep. And he kind of awakened at four in the morning, Christmas morning, 1864, I thought, oh, before the night's over, I need to make it to Shepherd's Field. I've just got to go to Shepherd's Field. Bethlehem at the time was 8,000 people. And so he found an Arab tour guide that would take him to Shepherd's Field, which was outside of the city at the time. And at 4 to 5 in the morning, he stood in Shepherd's Field alone and marveled at the sky and just, just kind of with the the mind's eye heard the angels in the heavens again. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. And I've wondered, what it, there's something within me. Every time we go to Bethlehem, I've, I've got to go to Shepherd's Field. It's just there's something that intrigues me. I, I really wonder, did he pray your prayer? Did he ask that somebody on down in the family line someday would... I don't know. But there's something within our family history that connects in a way that I don't have explanation for with the stories that we're reading about. So I'm taking a little bit more of an interest. You know, the last couple of weeks we've talked about Paul and Barnabas and the first missionary journey, and they come back and they're telling the story. And they're doing that in Syria, in Antioch. And while they want to settle down and rest, you know, it was a long road. That's a long way to walk. That's a lot of people to talk to. There were some tensions along the way. So, you know, Paul was stoned one time. I mean, just, you know, I needed a little recuperation time. But before they had much of that time, some very well-meaning Jews 
who were now following Jesus came from Jerusalem to Antioch and they began to make this demand. If those Gentiles are not circumcised in the fashion of Moses, then they, they can't be saved. So the whole message was, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you have to enter into the covenant of Abraham through circumcision, and then you'll be okay. And Paul and Barnabas said, no, that is not the way. That's not what we have been taught And in this this conflict that's going on now in Jerusalem, Peter stands up. I just want to remind you of a couple of things that Peter said as we read in Acts 15 last week. He said, God treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us. God treated the Gentiles exactly as he treated the Jews. Beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed him. That is something for us to remember. The other is, don't we believe that we're saved? Because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation. So what I want us to hold on to, and I'm, so I'm just going to repeat it, because I think it is so relevant to the way that we live out our faith today. God treats outsiders exactly as he treats insiders. You want to say that out loud, as loud as you can, with me. God treats outsiders exactly as he treats insiders. God treated the Gentiles in Asia Minor exactly as he treated the Jews in Jerusalem. If we want to put it into the conflict that is happening now in that land, God treats Palestinians just like he treats Israelis. If you want to bring it more into our culture, God treats black people the same as he treats white people. Even more into our community, God treats Hispanic people just like he treats Anglo people. If you want to bring it into the church world, God treats Catholics just as he treats Protestants. God does not play favorites. That is part of the New Testament ethic. If you want to keep coming, you know, we're getting a little bit more. We're going to talk about politics just for a moment. God treats Democrats just like he does Republicans. We have such a tendency to become insiders versus those outsiders. When I read my, my, my family history, I mean, my family left... Chernagel, Norway. They came to Norway, Illinois, and they moved to Norway, Iowa. What does that tell you about my family? I mean, they were an insider movement. I mean, they were not, not going to get out of their community. My grandfather, Clarence Jeremiah, what a name. He finally said to us, I'm not going to speak Norwegian anymore. 
And I don't find any of the Norwegian women in our community interesting to me. So I'm going to marry someone that's not Norwegian. So yeah, my family was an insider movement. They were really a clan. But most ethnic groups that came to America were and some remain. But within the church, the community of people that have been invited to follow Jesus, it, it does, we, life doesn't work that way. The kingdom life that Jesus has introduced does not allow us to have an insider and an outsider. And I think we have to really work hard to overcome something that is so prevalent in our world, in our family, in our cultures, but it's not what the kingdom of God is. The other thing is... I, <laughs> Let's, let's say this. Let's just read this together too. We believe that we are saved because the Master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as He does others from every nation on the planet. We did nothing to save ourselves. We could not do anything to save ourselves. We were amazingly and out of the sheer generosity of Jesus Christ saved by Him. And that salvation has everything to do about now. The now. I was so glad Nathaniel mentioned a book that he is going to encourage others to read. After we believe. It changes the way we live. If we just live the same way that we were living and we say, but I'm going to heaven, my sins are forgiven, what, what is that? I mean, what is that? What is that? I don't know what that is because that's not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus had in mind that we would be restored to people that God originally intended us to be. And that the fullness of our humanity would be found by being rescued from our self-determination rebellion and being brought into his rule, into his kingdom, where we need to become everything that God intended us to be. And that we would be a huge blessing in the way that we live life now on the planet. And that life that we begin to live now will continue into the next stage. So, yeah, well, this is what we, we know. Do you, do you need to be circumcised in order to know? Do you need to be baptized? No. Is baptism a good thing? Sure. But does that work? Say no. Jesus saved me. It's an amazing story. Out of sheer generosity. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. And that moves us then into this Conversation. Those are the things to hold on to. Acts 15, 12 through 20. After Peter stood up and said those things, there was dead silence. There had been arguing. It would have been loud. The Middle East is loud. It remains loud today. Arguing. But when Peter said what he said, there's dead silence. No one said a word. 
the argument was over. And now with the room quiet, Barnabas and Paul reported matter-of-factly on the miracles and the wonders God had done among the other nations through their ministry. With that, the silence deepened. You could hear a pin drop. James broke the silence. Friends, listen. Simon has told us the story of how how God at the very outset made sure that racial outsiders were included. This is in perfect agreement with the words of the prophets. After this, God says, I'm coming back. I'll rebuild David's ruined house. I'll put all the pieces together again. I'll make it look like new. So outsiders who seek will find. So they'll have a place to come to. All the pagan peoples included in what I'm doing. From Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. God said it, James went on. Now he's doing it. It's no afterthought. He's always known he would do this. Part of the lesson to learn from our history in Acts 15 is the way you resolve conflict. (laughs) And and one of the things I marvel in is is when there is an argument going on, arguments are not solved until people close their mouth. You know, you're, you're not going to argue your way to... I mean, one of you may accommodate to the other, but that accommodation is going to be silence. But as long as two people or two groups are yelling at each other, there is no resolution. So there has to come a moment where everybody stops talking. And that's what happened here. They stopped talking. And when you stop talking, somehow it's amazing. There's some connection between your mouth and your ears. Because once they close their mouth, it opened their ears. And what, when, as I read, kind of try to get in, I want to be there and get it behind. What, you know, they, those that were arguing for circumcision of all the Gentiles, they were not hearing Peter they were not hearing Paul. They were not hearing Barnabas. They weren't hearing. And, and they ultimately, they weren't hearing what God was doing. So as long as their mouth was open, they didn't hear. But once they closed their mouth, the ears opened up, and then they, they actually listened to Barnabas and Paul give a very matter-of-fact report. This is what God did. These are the miracles we saw. These are the signs that we saw. This is the report. And the silence deepened. Because now they're taking in and they're thinking, hmm, hmm, maybe I need to reevaluate the demand that I was making. And that's where James 
steps up. This is not James, the brother of Jesus. That's James, the greater. This is James, the lesser. You got to love just the leader. There's got to be, somebody's got to be a leader. And he's that leader. He's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he stood up and he was able to articulate, okay, God is up to something. God is doing it. And then he's able to connect the past with the present. And he said, this is what God's always wanted. God's always wanted the outsider and the insider together with him in the middle. That's what God's always wanted. God's wanted not just one nation. God's wanted every nation. God hasn't wanted just one race. He's wanted all of humanity. And he says, this is in perfect agreement with the prophets. Now, did you, did you, did you, did you, I mean, did you listen to what the prophet Amos was saying? Let me go back there. Go back to that slide in Acts 15. God makes a promise to the nation of Israel. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to rebuild David's ruined house. So I'm going to put all the pieces back together. And I'm going to make it look like new. So there's a renovation project. Kind of hit my cord as someone that remodels homes. He's not going to build a new house. He's not going to lay a new foundation. He's going to renovate. He's going to remodel on the same foundation. Now, he can expand that, but it's the same. It's a remodeling project. But this is going to be what's going to change. There's going to be others in the house. It's not going to be just racially the children of Abraham. Now, they're there. I'm going to rebuild it for you. I'm coming back. So you're going to be there. So we're not excluding the children of Abraham by race. But we're going to add to it. And we're going to add outsiders, Gentiles, pagans. Really, all the nations are now going to be welcomed in this new house that God is building. Keep that image in mind. Because when we come down to, well, what, what are we going to do from our history now? How do, we, how do we, as a community of people, live this out? Let me make these suggestions. And I know, you know, I know I'm repeating myself. But I'm repeating myself because I think there's something being told to us through this history that is extremely important for our day. Number one, God wants outsiders to hear the message of this good news and embrace it. 
to whoever we might think is the outsider. God wants them to hear the same message that you and I are celebrating together. The good news of the kingdom. Jesus. And God wants that outsider, whoever that outsider might be, they want, He wants them to hear that message firsthand from us. The way I would understand that is as good as it might be that somebody has a radio program or a TV program or is a great book, that's not firsthand unless you're the person on the radio or on TV or you wrote the book. (laughs) That would be firsthand. Firsthand would be you and me moving out into our neighborhood with those that may be considered outside of the church, making friends, and through that friendship, telling our story about Jesus in a way that people then say, you know, that is a really good deal. I want in on that. And then when people begin, but you know, you insiders, you know, you do this and you do dress up this way and you act this way and I... It's our job then to say, you know, God treats outsiders just like insiders. And you're one of God's favorites as well as I am. Wow, we get to deliver that message. And then people, when they say, well, gosh, what do I mean? Do I, I mean, I've got to start going to church meetings, and then I, you know, then I got to, you know, I gotta, they start listing all the rules that somehow have come down through the generation of all the things they have to do. And we get to say, no, we're amazingly saved out of the sheer generosity of Jesus. Start right where you are. Now, he's working from the very center of who I am, and he's working out. I mean, I'm ch- he's changing me, but he's changing me for the better. He'll do the same for you. doesn't matter where you're starting. You want to follow Jesus? Come along. He'll he'll clean our act up. I don't think we have to worry about that. Especially when we know his amazing love and generosity. That's what changes us. It's not rules. It's not anger. And then the last thing that we're adding. God is rebuilding David's ruined house. He's doing that through Jesus. And the house that he's building today is a house that would include insiders. As far as the story of the Bible, we might consider the natural sons of Abraham those insiders. And the, that, yes, he's, he is rebuilding, renovating that house for the Jew. That's true but not just the Jew. He's also renovating that house for outsiders, for Gentiles, for every other nation. That's what God wants. That's what God is doing for both the Jew and the Gentile. So then when I come back to the story of the Nasser family, 
Daoud and Daher, their families are Palestinian Christians, loved by Jesus. Across a boundary line, there are others that aren't Palestinian but Israeli, and they're Jew, but they're following Jesus. So that Messianic believer separated on the other side, and this Nasser, I mean, they're both part of this house that God is rebuilding. From a rabbi, I don't know where this rabbi lives, but he has a word, not, not, not for the Messianic Jew and, and not for the Palestinian Christian, but for the nationalistic Israeli. He goes back to Deuteronomy. He says, when you besiege a town for many days, waging war against it to seize it, you're not to bring ruin to its trees. By swinging away an axe against them, for from those trees you eat, them you're not to cut down. For are the trees of the field human beings able to come against you in a siege? Trees aren't your enemies. Deuteronomy 2019, why would you ever destroy trees? The rabbi continues, Torah, the law, the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy, what he just said, Torah could hardly be clearer or more in the great tradition of, I have no idea what that is. German word that is the best fruit of the Jewish people. Was it for cutting down that fruit in these verses that generations work so hard to create a Jewish state? What he is saying is for an Israeli defense force bulldozer to uproot 1,500 to 2,000 fruit trees is not Judaism. That's not what the law teaches us. It is a disservice to the reestablishment of the state of Israel to do this stuff. That's what a rabbi is saying. Why? Because even the rabbi gets it God doesn't play favorites. What God has delivered to us in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, God has been totally consistent with, I want everybody included. I am not trying to set up something that's exclusive for one race over the other race. I want every race in my house. And from what we've learned from the New Testament, the common denominator for that to happen is Jesus. It's not Judaism. God blessed Jews. It's not paganism. God blessed pagans. It's Jesus. That's who Jesus 
has brought into humanity. Jesus has brought into humanity the ability for the Jew and the Gentile to live in the same house together. May we, as a community of people, recognize, like James, this is what God is doing. And this is what God has always intended. And may we work alongside to accomplish what God wants. Not what we think needs to happen, but what God wants. Would you like to stand with me? And let's pray together. Jesus, as we stand in your presence, I I want to start by just saying thank you. We are a community of people that are living in a relationship with you. We know you. We enjoy your company. We share that relationship with one another. We are very grateful. So we know, as we stand before you, we know the amazing out of sheer generosity that you have shown to us, that you continue to show to us, and we're just extremely grateful. Thank you very much. Then I want to thank you that as a Gentile of Norwegian heritage, I thank you that you have rebuilt and are rebuilding a house that I get to be a part of. And it's a house that includes every other nation on the planet and it includes the sons of Abraham by race. Jesus, help us to see what God has always intended. Help us to see what God is presently doing and help us to participate in that work. I want to thank you that your kingdom has come. Your kingdom is coming and your kingdom will come. I want to thank you that you are ruling, that you are reigning, and that we are receiving the benefits of that rule and that reign. And Lord Jesus, when we pray, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. That means we want to do what you want to do through us. We declare today, we want to do what you want to do through us. From this passage, from your word, from our history, we have discovered that you want to deliver through us a message of good news to anyone that would be an outsider. Holy Spirit, empower us. Empower us to cross every racial, religious, whatever boundaries we've put up in this world. Empower us to cross right through there to make friends and to share the good news of Jesus with the, quote, outsider. 
finally, help us to see what you're doing in the Middle East. What you're doing, not what we're doing. Not what others are doing, but what you're doing, what you're up to, what you've always wanted. And again, as we see, let it be in complete agreement with the words of the prophets. May we participate with you in the rebuilding of David's house. So Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Thanks for the hope that you've placed in our hearts because of who you are and what you're doing. We bless you in your name. Amen.